0: The latest figures from the Department of Integration show that there are more than 580 asylum seekers without state accommodation. A cluster of tents have been pitched outside the International Protection Office in Dublin and our reporter Josh Crosby went along to meet with some of those who are living in those tents on the streets. Josh, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How many people are we talking about in this one spot?
1: Okay, so I was there yesterday and I counted 41 tents. I was speaking with a number of the guys who are sleeping there and they say there are around 10 tents where there'll be two men doubling up inside the one so you're talking about 60 men on the footpaths surrounding this office block they're literally pitched right next to one another from all over the world the people I was speaking with told me there are men from Malawi, Algeria, Ghana, Congo, Morocco, Bolivia, Botswana, Ukraine and more so what you have Pat is people landing into Dublin going to the International Protection Office where they would usually be their their first port of call to get their documents and supports in order but now some of them are literally coming out of that door and walking a Few meters and setting themselves on the ground outside. So, as I said, forty-one tents. It's quite a depressing sight. I've been to a few homeless camps for work in the past, where you might have four, five, tents bundled together. Suppose they say strength in numbers, but the sheer scale of this really does paint a bleak picture of the the times during this migration crisis. On top of an already, okay. who supplies them with tents? Okay, so they get given vouchers. They can go and they can buy a tent. And then, as we know, there are outreach teams
0: going around. Supplying tents.
1: They hand out tents to people that are in need around the city, yes. So, look, we play the first clip now of the two men I met there. So first is Eric from Zimbabwe, who arrived here at the end of March. And you'll also hear from a man who preferred not to be named from South Africa. Two different stories, but both seeking protection due to unsafety in their own home countries. And just a warning, there are some graphic details in this clip. I was traumatized, uh, it was gender-based issues so that uh, I was arrested, like I was tortured. When I came here, I had head injuries, I had new injuries, I had some injuries, so I was... Gender-based, was so, it? Yeah, I'm okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, So, so in, in your hometown, it's not acceptable? Yeah, uh, it's totally unacceptable. Better to be here than to be in the situation I'm coming from. Because uh, where I come from, you can't even speak out. The minute you speak out, you might disappear. You see, when I first came in here, it was only those two tents. Well, every few days, every week, there's more and more tents. Okay. Like even now, like they're coming, you know, so that's the situation that's happening. You know, it's all about helping one another and then just living your best life. And then just sharing the little that you have, just giving it back to the next person. From South Africa. South Africa. And what brought you to Ireland? Why did you have to leave?
2: The circumstances in South Africa were crazy. Because I was actually looked for by gang members in the Cape Flats. And even right here I'm just undercover because I don't wanna be caught because I fear my life.
1: Of meeting someone from home.
2: Yes. Mm. I came this side for a better future.
1: And why were you targeted?
2: Because of some misunderstanding, because they wanted me to join the gang and I didn't want and joining the gang yet to like cut body parts of women, both young and old, while they were still alive and I couldn't do that so I ended up fleeting.
1: And is this scar from? Yes.
2: And even this one here.
1: That you were attacked?
2: Yes, I was attacked.
1: Why did you choose Ireland? How come when you looked at the globe, the map you spotted Ireland?
2: I was actually here before in two thousand and six I and mean, it is a perfect country.
1: And what's it like now living in the tents outside the International Protection Office here in Dublin? It's not easy
2: because we don't have, like, public facilities. It's three days now, we didn't take a shower.
1: What were you told when you first arrived? They said there's no
2: accommodation available.
0: (sighs) Interesting stories. One man who's gay and feels there is no place for him in his home country. Um, So, on that basis, all the gay people of Zimbabwe would exit that country. I don't know what it's like there at the moment. And uh, this other chap who was going to be lured into a gang and have to cut people up while they're still alive, there's no place in Africa for him to go.
1: Well, he said he was here before in the past and he wanted to come back.
0: Mm. All right, uh, just two of the people who are sleeping in tents outside the International Protection Office. So what is the department saying about this and what sort of supports are being made available?
1: Well the latest I have from the department which looks after the International Protection Accommodation Services IPAS is that Ireland is currently accommodating over 83,960 people between those fleeing Ukraine and international protection applicants and it's not been able to provide accommodation to 582 but those who are on the streets are being provided with some support so IPAS is now issuing them with weekly 50 euro vouchers they're also entitled to a weekly payment of 3880 this has been backdated to the point at which they applied for international protection and they're also entitled to exceptional needs payments from the Department of Social Protection but Pat I've been speaking with the Irish Refugee Council which says this still isn't an acceptable standard of care for people seeking international protection and its CEO Nick Henderson also touches off a, a high court decision made a fortnight ago where the judge found some of the conditions or lack of supports under EU regulations were unlawful we'll hear from the legal side of
3: things in a few minutes but first here's Nick Henderson It's high time for the government to to accommodate people. It's a legal obligation to accommodate people and Uh, other government departments as well. uh,
1: What are you being told? Like, is accommodation being sourced? Because we know that the modular homes, they're designated for Ukrainian families. But but
3: what happens to people that are living in tents? So there are still a significant number of people in tents. I think it's something like 188 people in tents. The government have been able to source some accommodation in the last two weeks. I think around 35 to 40 people have been accommodated. And we were told as well that all the accommodation for protection applicants that the government was going to lose hotel accommodation that was going back to the tourist trade has been lost so any new accommodation that they find at the moment is first of all goes to people who are sleeping in City West and those spaces will then go to people who are unaccommodated but if you are arriving in this country you're probably going to have to wait on the current figures for at least two months on current figures and projections unless something changes radically.
1: And I understand Pass is
3: providing like a vouchers or an allowance is
1: that an appropriate level of support or like is
3: it feasible? in the long term? Or? It's not in our view and it's not in the view of the high court. What is your appeal? Like? Have you ever seen a situation? Because I, I was down there and I counted 41 tents. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. No, I cycled past earlier and we, I counted the tents and I lost track. It's extremely serious and it has to end. There is also time for other government departments to play a role. We wrote to the Department of Housing two weeks ago to state that Minister Daryl O'Brien, the housing minister, should instruct local authorities to give some support to people who are homeless.
0: Um, That's uh, Nick Henderson. I heard him talking yesterday. He was asked by the uh, interviewer, you know, what do you suggest we do? He didn't have any solution himself. He just said homes have got to be provided for uh, the people, but no suggestion as to how that would be done given the extent of our homeless crisis. Um, When you were uh, calling out the different nationalities that are intense, you mentioned Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought that there was a different system for accommodating Ukrainians.
1: Well that's what I would have thought too Pat but I was told there were three Ukrainians among this group outside the office block so on the Department of Justice's website it states that the EU Temporary Protective Directive
0: applies to those who were residing in Ukraine before the 24th of February 2022. So if you left Ukraine before Mm -hmm. that time you were not coming from Ukraine, you're coming from somewhere else and the Ukrainian uh, immigration system does not apply to you.
1: Exactly and that's who we'll hear from now in a minute so down outside the International Protection Office I met with Mala Dumour. Now when I met him yesterday uh, them thunder showers hadn't started yet so the the guys were out pottering around talking to one another they even had their own sweeping brushes and rubbish bags and there were a few blankets with slogans uh, equal rights for non-whites and border discrimination. Some of them feel why can accommodation be found for those fleeing countries in Europe but not further afield. But then others don't really want to get involved in this conversation. They just want protection ASAP. But let's hear from Monodimur now who left Ukraine in 2004 and went to Russia. He says he didn't want to get caught up with conflict inside Ukraine and he's been in his tent for just over three weeks.
4: I was arrested in the center of Moscow during uh, anti-war protests. The, the judge made a fine for me uh, for this protest, and another judge made a decision to deport me. But uh, the problem was there were no uh, diplomatic connections at the moment, and no transport connection, so they just put me in a cell and uh, told wait how how did you get out i was not the only one about 140 ukrainians were there and they changed the decision uh, so they let me out contacted some people i read news i got nervous breakdown Uh, i was sure i should leave russia step by step it's becoming like north north korea you know
1: did you consider going back to ukraine no no No. You weren't going to fight? Uh,
4: No, I'm not going to fight for Zelensky or for this government. Uh, I'm not going to kill Russians because they're brainwashed.
1: So you weren't going back to Ukraine, so from there you decided to go to Estonia. And did you have friends or family that had travelled to Ireland? No. Why did you choose Ireland then?
4: Because I can speak English.
1: Did you expect to fall under the Ukrainian status, why didn't you receive the same support as Ukraine. other Ukrainians that are arriving?
4: Because I was not in Ukraine exactly in January, February 2022, and I cannot prove that I was there. Do you regret coming to Ireland? No. Anyway, it's better than to be in Ukraine, and it's better t- than to be in Russian. There's
0: a man called Mullah de from Ukraine who's living in a tent since he arrived here, having arrived Ukraine to Russia to Estonia and finally to Ireland. Um, he doesn't fall under the EU temporary directive uh, due to that uh, particular um, route, I mm. suppose tortuous route to get to Ireland. Uh, what about other agreements so and regulations? This cluster of 41 tents with migrants living in in the middle of Dublin city, where does that sit within the law?
1: Well, this is only one site I visited, Pat. There are more and more homeless migrants dotted throughout the city. Some have moved out of the city as well. And let's not forget the already hemorrhaging homeless crisis we have in our hands here. So the latest figures show we have record official numbers of almost 12,000 accessing emergency accommodation. People who are at their most vulnerable all now using the same services and charities that were stretched in the first place. I was told by the Department of Integration that IPASS now has an agreement with Mendicity to make its drop-in day services available to non-accommodated persons they're able to access information, food, Wi-Fi and shelter there. But to get a legal perspective on this as to what the state is actually
5: obliged to provide, I met with immigration lawyer Cahill Malone. We voluntarily signed up in 2018 to what's known as the Reception Conditions Directive, which is a European Union law which dated from 2013. What that directive guarantees is that when someone comes to Ireland seeking international protection or asylum, we have to give them a minimum level of what are known as material reception conditions. That This includes ensuring that they have shelter, ensuring that they have food and water and a certain minimum level of access to hygiene products, etc.
1: This recent ruling now, the person from Afghanistan, does this set now a certain level
5: of criteria that the state must comply with? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, essentially what this ruling finds is that Ireland is obliged to implement the law that it voluntarily signed up to in 2018. So all the ruling says is that this man was not provided with shelter, was not provided with food or water, and was not provided with the bare minimums of of essential hygiene. So what
1: happens now that Ireland has signed up to this, we have the court ruling, there are over 40 tents on the streets, If the government, if the department is saying they can't find the physical
5: space to accommodate these people, where does the law of the land lie? Is there a breach here or is it a grey area? There's no grey area. It's it's an ongoing breach of the law. And it's a well-established principle that when it comes to breaches of European Union law, you can't plead lack of resources. And I note that since the judgment, the government have said that they are now providing a €50 per week voucher to these people. And there's no reason why that couldn't have been done up to now. And even though the provision of the money and the vouchers goes some way towards providing these people with food and with hygiene products, it still doesn't solve the basic problem that these people are living in. You know, appalling conditions that don't meet basic human dignity and don't have a roof over their head. And until these people are accommodated, there's going to be an ongoing breach of the law. And that was uh, Cahill Malone who's an immigration
0: lawyer ending that report from Josh Crosby. Some of the text coming in we're seen as a soft touch. Illegal migrants would not be let in anywhere else in the world certainly not Australia the US etc. Immigration is solely a problem of the government's own creation for which the ordinary people are being held responsible for the outcome being called racist if you don't agree with the government's immigration policy. That's from Tommy. Tents on the streets are normal in Belgium as it takes six months to enter the system for accommodation and benefits. Also, if the tents increase too much, uh, the police just simply move them on. And lots more uh, coming in where that came from. You know, the the chickens coming home to roost. For years and years, we've been advocating that the government accelerates its process, either welcome people in, give them all the supports they need, or tell them uh, very quickly that uh, this is not the place they're going to end up. But uh, instead, we've allowed a system to evolve where it takes Months, sometimes years before people can gain a status one way or the other.
5: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.